And so I think there is the the social animal that we all are. We all want to be like each other. So we're accepted. But there's also an inner life that we have that is quite different and quite private. And I think that there's a balance, right? There has to be a balance because we are a team, right? We all have to get along on a certain level. So we work together, but also honor and cherish our own sort of idiosyncrasies, right? And so that's always going to be a balance, I think. Welcome to the Paint and Pipette podcast. My name is Jeremy Utley, and it's my job to illuminate the tactics of world-class performers across domains. As a day job, I teach at the Stanford D School, helping students learn what it takes to come up with ideas. But I've realized I need to stay in the classroom learning myself, and this podcast is my classroom. Hey, hey, I'm Marcus Hollinger. I lead marketing and creative at Reach Records and Atlanta-based independent record label. And I'm also co-founder for Portrait Coffee, where we are seeking to reimagine the picture that comes to mind for folks in specialty coffee. I'm so excited to pull up my desk alongside my good friend and fellow learner, Jeremy and I think y'all are going to love what we have for you this season. We've got some amazing stories on deck, and we can't wait to dive in and learn alongside you. So grab your pipette and your paintbrush, and let's make something beautiful together. So we're back here with our good friend, Otto Asando, for the first ever round two of a paint and pipette interview. Wow, I did not know that. Okay, I'm honored. No pressure, but okay, you're, the yeah. first, you're the first person we've invited back. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Nice, Which, by nice. the way, is not to say anything disparaging about all the amazing people we've had. We'd love to have yeah. lots of people back. I feel like we all kind of recognized in that first conversation, we were just getting mm-hmm. started. Yeah. And yeah. right as the hour, and we try to keep these conversations short. So it was like, sure. oh man, we got more to do. But yeah. now- Mm-hmm. Otto's actually across the globe. You know, you yeah. since we spoke, you're in another mm-hmm. country. Just give folks an update. Like what's happened in your life since the last time we talked? I'm in the UK. I think I want to say that when we spoke, I think I had mentioned that there was like a big role that I wanted that I may have just missed. Well, that turned around for me and I got that role, which sent me out to oh. the UK where I am now to shoot this new series called The Diplomat. It's a series that's going to be on Netflix. That's one of the best set of scripts that I've ever read in my life. And it's written by this amazing woman named Deborah Kahn. And it's a diplomatic thriller that takes place in the U.S. Embassy, essentially, in London. And it's, you know, I don't want to give anything away, but Carrie Russell is the star of the show, along with me, along with a cat named Rufus Sewell, who's amazing, and David Giassis, who's amazing, and Ali Ahn, and I could just go on and on and on with everybody who's in it. But we're having a lot of fun, and it's a real challenge because it's really these people that we're playing are brilliant, smart, and really sort of that sort of jargon that they can like spit out, you know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. it's a creative thing around how to even get your mouth around these words, much less act them. So Okay, how do you do that? Let's just go yes. like get like and I'll I'll tell you one thing. I mean, here's yeah. my 
not to, you know, make it about me. I was listening, yeah. by the way, to Scott Galloway the other day, who mm-hmm. he started interviewing somebody and he said, by the way, everybody knows this is a thinly failed venue for me to talk about myself. It was, and I don't feel that way, but I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> but I noticed like, there's a lady that I like to reference, the woman who invented liquid paper. Her name is Beth Nesmith Graham. She was a secretary, single mom, and mm-hmm. she was frustrated by her typewriter. And because mm-hmm. she took side hustles and weekend gigs, one day she found herself painting a window display at a department store and she was made a mistake and she's trying to erase it. And a painter came over and said, Whoa, what are you doing? But she said, what do you mean? And he said, painters don't erase mistakes. They paint over them. Uh, And that's where her insight came from. uh, Like she'd been struggling with this electric typewriter. It was driving her crazy. The filaments making smudges on the page. She's spending most of her days, you know, trying to erase. She never thought about painting over. Right. Uh, So that's where uh, that came from. But anyway, all that say, I love that story. And I love her as an example of kind of creative inspiration. Mm -hmm. But Bette Nesmith Graham, I kept stumbling over it. Just that word, Bette Nesmith Mm -hmm. Graham. And I Mm -hmm. finally, one day I locked all the doors and for like five minutes, I just said, Bette Nesmith Graham, Bette Nesmith Graham, Mm -hmm. Bette Nesmith Graham, Bette Nesmith Mm -hmm. Graham, Bette Nesmith Mm -hmm. Graham. Just -hmm. because I had to get to the point where her name could roll off my tongue like I knew her. Yeah, yeah. Bette Nesmith Graham. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. But like, but <laughs> it makes you want to do it. That's yeah. my amateurish tactic. Otto, I'd love it if you would enlighten me. Like, what's the way to really do it? <laughs> it you one hundred percent nailed it. Do you know what I mean? Just I, practice. I think, yeah, it's just practice. You know, you think about you know if you work in the medical field or you work in your field, there are words that you use all the time that nobody else really uses, right? Like they don't roll off the tongue because. And this is getting back to what we said, what we talked about before. You haven't practiced it, right? So some of these, you know, long strings of text or even just single words, I, if I have time, I will lock myself in my room just to say it over and over and over again in different silly ways, in different accents, in different like slow, like go in like every single word and every single like consonant, really understand what your mouth is doing because to be able to speak like a doctor, for example, you have to say things like adenosine triphosphate, right? I can say that that can roll off of my tongue because I was a chemical <laughs> engineer and I understand I it. But it. if I showed you that word, you'd be like, uh, the, the, you, you know what I mean? It's not because you're dumb. It's that you've never said that word. So you, in a nutshell, nailed what I've been doing for the last number of weeks, which I lucky to be in this nice big apartment with like, you know, not a lot of neighbors. So I can just like sing the words if I want. I could say the words and I can just feel my mouth get used to it. You know, that makes me wonder if there's this picture that kind of comes to mind of kind of walking through a like a wheat field with a machete. Right. And Mm -hmm. you're like, cut it. You're cutting your way through it. And if you've never done that before, Mm -hmm. you could get exhausted and say, you know what, either I'm just going to sit down right here or I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm going to turn back Mm because I don't have a reference point Mm -hmm. or I don't have confidence that I'll get to the other side of Mm -hmm. this. I'm curious, Mm -hmm. what is it like to be in the wheat field with your Mm -hmm. machete practicing this subtask right of the task mm-hmm. and maintaining perspective that tomorrow i've got to go out and be dynamic yeah you nailed it as well if to me you have a goal in mind right you eventually want to bushwhack your way out of this wheat field right but you have to sort of go one 
stock at a time, right? If you're already down the field, you're never going to make it, right? And so to me, I've also learned to slow down, to sometimes take things by first principles. I, I mentioned to Jeremy that I started running and I started running again as if I was a child, like really learning how to run because I used to get these really like bad sort of splints and all that stuff, which would make me give up, right? Because I was trying to run at it really hard and trying to do this thing. And I had to say to myself, hey man, just because you know how to put your one foot in front of the other in quick succession doesn't mean you know how to run distance. So go slow and learn how to run, build the musculature that your legs will need that will eventually be able to take you five miles, 10 miles, 15 miles, right? So it's the same with the wheat stock. If you're whack, 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 and you've never done it before, no, try the first one, take a break, get to the second one. Don't rush it yet because what you need to do is get your body to understand what it needs to do and build the infrastructure so that you can execute it. And that's whether you're learning lines, whether you're learning how to run, whether you're trying to chop that wheat, whatever you're doing, you have to slow yourself down, I think, which is a thing that I've been trying to do over the last few years now. Well, if you just take running as an example, because I want to, mm -hmm. I told you when we were talking earlier, I wanted to hear about your, you said it was mm -hmm. your new favorite thing. Let, yeah. Let's pause on why I want to go yeah. there. So just know that's the conclusion, but or not the conclusion, but it's another point of the journey. But yeah. before we do, can you break down how did you know to go slow? And then how mm -hmm. did you what did how did you go about going slowly in something as foundational as running? Like what did you do? Where did you look? How did you learn to do that? Yeah. So I briefly mentioned like I would try to run and I would just get frustrated because I would get these like really bad calf strains, like where I would be limping and can't even finish the run, maybe have to call a cab to go home. And I just said, well. I see all of these other people running, right? So there must be something I'm doing wrong. So the first thing I had to do, I think I'm a reasonably athletic person. I'm not like a, you know, I don't have two left feet. So I had to get my ego out of the way and say, all right, maybe you just don't know how to run, accept it. You can run, you know, a short distance really fast, but if you want to run distance, there are people who know how to do this, all right? So I just started saying, you know what? I don't care what anybody else is doing around me. I don't care how fast I'm getting beaten down the road. I'm just gonna jog, jog, jog. And then I said, you know what people do when they wanna learn how to do something? They get a teacher. So I looked around and I found a run coach and I said, hey bro, you seem to teach this stuff. Treat me like I'm a child in you know junior high school who's never set foot on a track before. I wanna be able to run 10 miles pretty comfortably by the end of the year. Do you think you can get me there? He said, okay, cool. And we just started really slow and started to understand what my run mechanics were. And that's what I've been doing over the last like three or four months, probably since we've been talking. So now I'm up to around seven miles a day, but mm. it like, you just start going real slow anyway. And when you said treat me like a child in junior high, mm -hmm. was that his metaphor or yours? And if it was Mine. yours- what made you think I need to go back to junior high? Because I think that for me, learning is the thing that keeps you alive. And we get to a certain age and we think we know everything, right? But when you're open-minded like a child, if you keep your mind open, you're available to take in new energy. And a child's mind is flexible. It's elastic. It can learn different things. It's there to accept more things. And so I think that 
going back to your childhood and allowing yourself to be a child about these things and allowing yourself to learn something that you might already think you know, you can never go wrong that way. So that's, yeah, just regress a little bit, you know? <laughs> what was the biggest thing you had to unlearn? Or, you know, if you take that child's like mind and you said, you know what, I don't know how to run and it doesn't matter mm -hmm. how others do it. Was there one or two key things that this coach gave you that you go, I've been doing that wrong, you know, yeah. or I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was little things about my mechanics, but it was also, you know, the thing that I've learned is that like really elite distance runners, they don't train hard and fast every time they go out. They call it low heart rate training where they're jogging. Most of the time they're jogging because they're trying to get their body used to, they're trying to get their heart rate as low as possible while they're putting in maximum effort. And that's what teaches your body. That's what tells your body to say, oh, you want to get ready to run distance. Okay. I'm going to build up little ligaments and the tendons that you need and all the little muscles that you need. And I'm also going to develop your circulatory system and all of those things that you need to be able to run that marathon. But if you are running at it, like Rocky in the movie every day, you're going to actually hurt yourself and make yourself sick. And, and I think the thing that I had to take away was I'm a hard worker, but there are ways to work hard and work smart that aren't like hitting it as hard as you can every day because you just wear yourself out. So that was the big lesson that I got from him and myself. That's amazing. Yeah. Slow it down. You know what I mean? Even with the lines, you know, when what we were talking about before, you know, I've acted for 25 years. So sometimes I'll just start saying things fast as if I know it, but like, how do I know what this character sounds like unless I'm listening to him, right? How do I know where he pitches his voice unless I take a minute to breathe through what I'm saying? Each and every syllable, what does it mean that he's saying? Like we are speaking in our own patois and our own lingo. We're used to it. We're ripping off of each other. We're going back and forth. But if I suddenly said to you, hey, like now talk to me as if you were a Jamaican kid from blah, 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 blah. Right. And maybe you have an idea of what a Jamaican accent sounds like, but unless that is your heritage or unless you have experience, you wouldn't be able to hit that. Right. Unless you went slow and really understood what you were saying and why you were saying things. And I think it's a way to do almost anything that you want to attack. It's like, start off slow, start off like a child, let yourself make mistakes and then understand what you're doing in those mistakes instead of trying to like be successful right now, because there's no way you can do it. This has been circling in the back of my mind, something we talked about in our last conversation. It really, really stuck with me. You let us know that some of the best to do it are the best because they're playing, right? And you yes. talked about having this emptiness, like showing up with this emptiness and allowing mm -hmm. your counterparts to fill you mm -hmm. in that back and forth. Mm -hmm. I'm curious in this role, how are you orienting yourself for play? Because what we just talked about is sort of the, mm -hmm. the hard, smart work mm -hmm. of going slow at the mm -hmm. role. Mm -hmm. How are you orienting yourself to stay playful in the midst of you, this? You know, I'm still trying to figure this out with this particular role because we're getting shot out of the cannon just because that's just how TV works, right? When you're doing theater, you have a whole month of rehearsal, two months of rehearsal before you get up on stage. This is like, all right, here we go, action, go, right? And once you start going, that train's not gonna stop until we're done in October and you're gonna get more scripts and more scripts and more scripts. And so what I feel is happening is 
Number one, we have all actually been told by the showrunner to slow down, the show creator. She said, hey, you guys have to slow down because I know these characters are smart, but now everybody's trying to rifle their lines out so fast because you get all these big, chunky monologues that it's hard to understand what you're saying. You are allowed to slow down. Smart people think through their stuff. Do you know what I mean? And so once we all started to understand that after the, I think after the first two weeks, like, you know, there's the nerves, there's the, oh my God, the camera's on, let's go. Oh my God, we got to get this scene done, that scene done. Once we all saw, I think, each other making mistakes, and once we all saw that we're in the same thing together, then we everybody relaxed and now we're starting to play now we're starting to have fun now we're starting to find the characters and again i can't do that myself i have to do that with carrie russell i have to do that with rufus sewell and once we start to see each other play then we start to trust each other we start to know that we're all in this together let's all play and have fun and in the play you discover stuff that you never could have forecasted until it happened with that particular person in front of you. And that's what we're finding now in these subsequent weeks as the first like hump that we went through. So fingers crossed. <laughs> okay. But yeah. you just, you just gave us like a little breadcrumb there. Can you tell yeah. us something? I mean, we don't know anything about this content or anything, and I don't mm -hmm. think that's as important, but like, what's something you discovered, you said you discover stuff you couldn't otherwise. Can you give us an example of a discovery through play that wasn't, I don't know, I don't know if you'd say unscripted or un, I don't know how you would contrast it, but I'd love to hear more about an example of discovery. Here's one. There was a scene where I thought that my character was really sort of angry at Carrie Russell's character. So I was coming at it from a place of like anger and I don't know what to do with you right now, right? And the director kept giving me this direction of like, no, it's more like, hey man, you've, you've got to sort of like, you've got to find the, I think he used the word fear in the circumstances of what might happen if she turns around and walks away. Let's just keep it simple without having described what the content is. And then she, in one of the takes, just did something, gave me this look, right, which scared me, right? And instead of like trying to hold on to the anger, I let myself be scared, right? Because she's the star of the show and I'm, you know, one of the stars, but she's the main character. And when she did that, it shifted the scene for me. And then I started to understand what the director was saying. I didn't understand it because, again, I had forecasted what the scene I thought it was, right? And if I had like held on, it wouldn't have worked, right? Because I would have held on and to that. And it sounds emotion. like if she if she had held on, maybe it wouldn't have worked, right? Exactly. Like I, I don't know. I, I obviously I wasn't there, but I can imagine mm -hmm. if she's hearing the director say, "You got to be scared." Mm -hmm. Maybe one mm -hmm. thing she's doing is like, "Can I scare him?" Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly it. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. And when you find those discoveries in, especially in acting or in art or whatever it is. You know, again, it's like you're letting somebody else fill you. you. You're arriving to the moment, like you described before, Marcus. And instead of trying to be the moment, you're accepting the moment and then you're flowing into the moment rather than you can't flow if you think you wouldn't know what the answer is, right? If you're watching an incredible athlete play, right? You know, you play basketball, right? And that's the operative word. And the great players are playing and they come up with stuff, not because Kobe planned to do this with his right and then go up with his left. He just did it because that's what he had to do. You know what I mean? He's playing. You know what I mean? So that's the part that is when you let yourself go, when you find those amazing moments.
Wow. It's ever since you said that in our first conversation, it stuck. And mm. I, I personally have tried to, in my work, show up playfully mm-hmm. and, and become that much more mm-hmm. aware of myself. And it's so funny. One, I just wanted to to call that out and say thank yeah. you. It's probably yeah. one of those reasons that we had to have you back. So Much yeah, obliged. that incredible, incredible. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about the running? Because I think there may mm-hmm. be a connection there that you, you mentioned just before we hit record. Mm-hmm. Running is your new favorite activity. Yeah. I'd love to hear yeah. for, for setting aside the learning, in, except if the learning is actually part of what makes it you know your favorite. But mm-hmm. what does running do for you? Mm-hmm. What is it? Because I guess one thing Marcus didn't hear, Marcus, right before you joined and listener right before you joined, mm-hmm. Otto had been saying, I said, what do you do for fun in London? And you said, I, I go running in the morning at like four in the morning, right before I go to work, right? When I'm picked up for work. To be accurate, you said, I don't do any sightseeing. I don't have any time. Yes. I'm working on my lines, but I mm-hmm. do run, which is my favorite yes. new activity. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so that to me is fascinating. It's like, you aren't making time for very much, but you mm-hmm. are making time for this. And I just love to know why yeah. is that? What are you getting from it? Mm. You know, it's a new challenge. Like I said before, I, over the years I've tried running and I've always had these issues. And so, you know, I made it a point to like, okay, what am I doing wrong? Let me go back to first principles. And then once I started to figure out how to run without pain, then it became the challenge. And it wasn't about like, get the miles in. It was like, oh, I got my ear pods on. I'm listening to some Miles Davis And if I'm up in the morning, I'm hearing the birds sing and all that stuff. And I can feel myself breathe and I can feel my heartbeat. And if I find this pace, I can run probably for 10 miles right now. And I can't believe I can do it. Like I used to say, hey, I'm not a distance runner. I can't do that anymore. And I'm doing it. And I, and what there's a Zen, I want to say of like, there's a peacefulness of like watching your body achieve things that you didn't think it could do before, right? And so three months ago, I couldn't have run seven miles easy. Now, after I get off of this, because I wanted to get some sleep this morning, I'm going to go for a seven mile run. Do you know what I mean? And then I'm going to just going to chill. And it's like, it's my new favorite thing because it's fun to sort of download the data and watch what I'm doing and watch what my progress is. And also feel the little tiny little adjustments I have to do to my mechanics and how my feet land and how my breath is going and where I'm maybe a little too much out of breath, all of those things that I can make adjustments on. And I can do that throughout a five, six, seven mile run. And that is fascinating. You know, I have a heart rate monitor now. I've got this Garmin watch now, like I've gone a little bit nuts. And so (laughs) I think it's the challenge, you know what I mean? It's like, I can't believe I can, I'm going to go run seven miles. Like what, you know what I mean? So that's kind of what's really, and the other thing is like, just like you mentioned before, Marcus, you know, how do you cut the wheat, right? Like I started off with the single stock said, okay, boom. Okay, let me get two. Okay, let me get a chunk. Okay, now where am I going to go? Okay, I'm going to run around this park. Can I make it back? Cool. One step at a time and let me see how I can do it. Next time I do it, or maybe next week, maybe I'll run a little faster. Can I do it? Wow, I did it. Oh my God. You know what I mean? And then like, all right, here's another field. Let me see how I'm going to get down to there. And, and there's just so much happening when I'm doing that, that it's it's addictive now for me. So 
Yeah. Well, and I want to ask this, is that always your mindset, the looking and the tweaking and being there in the running? Or are there times, and if there are times that you've had a breakthrough discovery or your curiosity led you somewhere in the process of running, if that's happened, I'd love to, especially in the context of this role, because you're run, mm-hmm. you don't have time for much else, right? Yeah. And running is yeah. sort of the time waster, again, that mm-hmm. you have. Has that time ever brought you a discovery? Yeah, I think that allowing yourself to stop and do something without distraction always sort of fertilizes the creative field, whatever it is. And it has sort of influenced where my character has gone because I've had discoveries about scenes as I'm running, but also in life. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just me, like we were up in the sort of English countryside. So I was up in like four in the morning and there's nothing but rabbits and foxes and cows and sheep up there. Right. And I'm running through this dappled sunlight coming down from the sky and it's inspirational. And I'm thinking about things I want to write. I'm thinking about all kinds of things that I know that maybe I don't have the specific breakthrough right now, but I know that I'm fertilizing all this ground because I've given myself time to just like be in a place and run, just hear my heartbeat, hear the rhythm of my breath coming in and out, hear the footsteps. Do you know what I mean? And I think that for me, Because we live, I think, in sometimes an over-distracted, over-stimulated world, being able to stop and just say, this is what I'm going to do for an hour. I'm going to run. I'm going to not even bring my phone. I'm just going to run. And that's it. I think that down the road, it's a gift that just keeps on giving, you know? Yeah. I hear different creators and different, I would say, effective creators Mm -hmm. talk about the need for it may be gardening. You know, one of my mm-hmm. yeah. good friends is a you know very famous author. And she told me, I said, Hey, to, she told me to, and I actually love this question. I have it here on my computer because I want to mm-hmm. ask it anytime that I yeah. talk to people, but it's ask about weird stuff you regularly do, but you feel like you need to justify or explain because <laughs> everybody's got weird stuff, you know? Yeah. And I asked her, I, you know, we had a session and I was, I asked her, Hey, what's something weird you do that mm-hmm. works for you? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, she's like, or you know how it started? I saw in her workspace, there was a bed. Uh-huh. I said, do you nap? She said, no. But ever since I was in high school, I love working in bed. So she oh. said, when, when I don't have anybody here, I just like lay down in bed and I do work. Yeah. I like, oh. And then I said, do you do anything else that's weird? And she said, you know what? I love weeding. Mm. I'll mm. go weed. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's cathartic. It's mm-hmm. therapeutic, but there's mm-hmm. stuff like that, right? It's these yeah. kind of monotonous, mindless tasks yeah. Yeah. where we allow ourselves. I like that word fertilize. I, I, mm-hmm. I think about that, just tilling the soil, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it's like, I, you know, I've often used the picture of like Legos, you know, or mm-hmm. like a pin cap, right? A, a new yeah. idea is just a connection between things. Right. Uh, yeah, and there's, yeah. It's very simple to think an idea is a connection. Well, Mm -hmm. it's one, like the more colored caps I have, the more connections I can make. Right. So one thing is gathering caps or gathering Legos, but then the other thing is creating the space to try on combinations. Mm -hmm. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that running or that, you know, weeding or whatever, just Mm -hmm. creates space where, because you're not directly your your attention isn't directly focused on the problem that you're absentmindedly kind of trying on connections. And every once in a while you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And it's also like, again, it's, it's slowing down. It's, it's kind of what you said about the lady in the beginning who was trying to figure out a way to improve typewriting, right? You know what I mean? Bet she Nesmith saw Graham. Bet Nesbeth. See, I can't say it until <laughs> I tough. practice it, right? <laughs> Bet Nesbeth Graham. Yeah. You got to get your mouth all around right? that, you know? Yeah. But she was watching somebody doing something kind of mundane. Do you know what I mean? Or she was doing something kind of mundane. Do you know what I mean? And then like you have this eureka moment. And I think that, again, like that's my new sort of mantra for a lot of things that I have to remind myself of. It's like, slow down, just slow down, right? Like there's nobody, we all want to be successful. And I think that the issue with success, I think even in the, especially in the modern world is that if we're not successful immediately, then we give it up, right? Like if I can't play like Jimi Hendrix, as soon as I pick up that guitar, I'm not going to do it. And then you miss every single thing you could have been because you didn't want to just sort of find who you are in this, right? And slowing down, whether it's running or whether it's weeding or whatever you do, whatever weird thing you do and let it be weird, you'll never figure out who you are sort of in that thing. Do you know what I mean? You're always trying to be somebody else. That's what it is, right? I don't want to be Denzel Washington of acting because we already got Denzel. I don't want to be Meryl Streep because we already got Meryl, right? I want to be me in that and figure out what I can contribute, you know? So that's kind of what sort of allowing yourself to be alone and allowing yourself to be your own weirdness. That's what you bring. That is a non-fungible token right there. Like, like you can't make another one of me, (laughs) you know what I mean? Or you or Marcus, you know what I mean? It's like, that's who you are and that's your currency. That's your worth right there. And so I think slowing down and figuring out who the child in you is, that's when you come up with the things that nobody else could have, right? I don't want to lose the opportunity for us to get this though. What is the weird thing that works for you? (laughs) Yeah, I got to think about that. I mean, I think it's more weird habits. Like I am a, I can be a hermit. I can be alone with myself. Oh, that's what I do. I talk to myself. And when I say I talk (laughs) to myself, I'm not saying that I talk to myself as Otto. Hey, Otto, you should do this more. Like I could have a complete and total conversation with Jeremy. Jeremy's not even there. If I feel like I got to say something to you, or you might just pop up in my head and we will have a full on conversation with no No context. For real? I have those conversations all the time. I have arguments. I have funny moments. I have an entire life with everybody that I know that they don't know. And it's showed up out loud, out loud, out loud, full voice like I am right now. That's one thing for me. I I, I have two questions to this. Mm -hmm. One, maybe you can tell us about the last funny conversation. Oh, the last funny one. Because there have been a few arguments that I've been having with a friend about another friend. So, I okay. Well, the funny ones would be with my one of my dearest family members, my cousin, who's like my sister. Oh, I, I can't. Some of this stuff I can't disclose, man. Like, oh, I sure. Okay. okay. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, no worries. Yeah. No worries. Yeah, no worries. No worries. That, that's why I tried to get to funny to. Yeah, to yeah. To I feel it, you. Keep it yeah. Okay. My follow up question is, how did you give yourself permission? to have these conversations. When you realize that it was something that you did, it might be a little yeah. bit weird. Yeah. How did you give yourself permission to to get better <laughs> at that and to keep doing that? Yeah, I, I think I've done it almost since I was a kid and it was always weird to me. Like, you know, I thought maybe 
that like there was something not wrong, but like it was weird. Right. Like I could like, let's pretend we're not having this conversation. Be like, yo, Jeremy, what's up, man? How you doing, man? Yo, man. Yo, when are we doing this thing? You know, and then like a whole full conversation. And then I'd realize, be like, yo, bro, you're talking to yourself. Like you're talking to Jeremy for some reason. I don't know why. Right. <laughs> and so I think one time one of my best friends in college, like sort of walked in on me doing it. Right. And he kind of looked at me weird and I forget who I was talking to, putting air quotes at the time. And he kind of just looked at me weird. And this is like my brother. Right. And as soon as he saw me do it and like didn't say anything about it. Right. I was like, OK, it's just who I am. Right. It's just who I am. So when I'm home alone, just like now, I'm having full on conversations and and I've gotten to an age where I'm just like, it's too late now, bro. Like, this is who I am. Like, if this is me, I'm good. I talk to everybody that I love. It's how I work out problems. It's how I work out situations. It's how I just entertain myself because I like being alone a lot. And all of you guys are here. So <laughs> that's yeah, what it is. I appreciate that. That wasn't just a, oh, let's yeah. just follow up on this to follow up on this. I think yeah, yeah. when that type of advice is given generally like find a child and you embrace mm-hmm. your weird mm-hmm. yeah. usually folks can kind of fill in this excuse about well no okay well that person who weeds that's okay mm-hmm. because that's yeah. acceptable right. whereas you know i know for myself for me my weird thing is man when i'm by myself and i feel good i yeah. dance and i only do it either fully by myself or with uh-huh. Like someone that I know won't give an inkling that they're judging me for Got it. Got you. Right. And I'm Got not you. just talking about like, you know, like silly dancing. Like, no, yeah. I go for yeah. it. Right. I'm trying yeah. to nail the foot thing, all of I that. Feel you. <laughs> and as I was listening to you, I'm like, man, you know, that hearing you and how you gave yourself permission to just say, you know what, go in that direction. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't try to self-edit. Go, man, mm-hmm. see what you mm-hmm. find in that. Mm-hmm. It's pretty free. And so thanks for, you know, following and through on that, yeah. on that question. No doubt. No doubt. I got to, yeah. I got to observe one thing that's interesting. And I, I would love to consider this as a phenomenon. Marcus said, Hey, Otto, what do you do? That's weird. What's your weird. You, you kind of yeah. double clicked on it. And your first thought was, man, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, and then mm-hmm. by the way, you proceeded to tell us something that is like amazing and totally mm-hmm. weird. Just to, by the way, no weirder than I am or sure, Marcus sure. is or anybody. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's yeah, not an yeah. accusation, but it's a totally legit answer. And mm-hmm. yet it, what it seems to me is it wasn't top of my, like there was like three or four seconds where we might have just moved on and yeah. you didn't have an answer. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we take as a, maybe a premise, that's a phenomenon that we actually mm-hmm. don't know what our weird is. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I, I feel like in a way, like we have to, I think I've used this phrase before, we have to be willing to wield our weird. Mm -hmm. But if we don't know what it is, Mm -hmm. maybe that's better that we don't. I don't don't have like a value judgment. It's just something I'm thinking about as I saw that. It's like, whoa, you have a totally great example and it almost escaped you. Yeah. (laughs) And I wonder why, you know, I don't know. It's a strange thing. I think because, you know, maybe we're a social animal, we want to fit in, right? And we don't like maybe sort of, evolutionarily want to be weird. We don't want to be sort of an outcast in a way, but like we are all these unique creatures and we have our unique sort of compositions that are going to be different. And that's how sort of we evolve as a people, as a species, as a whatever. And so I think there's a competing force. I want to fit in. I don't want Jeremy and Marcus to think, oh, he's so weird. Oh man, let's 
cut this podcast off because this dude is mad. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Wait, but, talk but to it, himself? Get out yeah, of here. Yeah. Dude, uh-uh. <laughs> delete, delete. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so I think there is the the social animal that we all are. We all want to be like each other. So we're accepted. But there's also an inner life that we have that is quite different and quite private. And I think that there's a balance, right? There has to be a balance because we are a team, right? We all have to get along on a certain level. So we work together, but also honor and cherish our own sort of idiosyncrasies, right? And so that's always going to be a balance, I think. Speaking to phenomena, not to offer an answer to the question, I was inspired after our last conversation to go Mm -hmm. and finally start this book that I had, Impro, Mm -hmm. Keith Jocelyn. Mm -hmm. Oh, and yeah. he actually touched on this in his book and he talked about insanity mm-hmm. and embracing it. And one thing mm-hmm. he said in the book is we all have these, quote unquote, insane thoughts. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he talked about the social component around mm-hmm. everybody's trying to be normal. So we're mm-hmm. denying those thoughts that would make us seem insane. And, and what he said was, he said, what students, and I made myself a student, even though I'm not studying theater, need mm-hmm. is someone, not someone who can tell them to do it, mm-hmm. but someone who has embraced it and mm-hmm. showed that you can embrace your, let's say, inner weird and still mm-hmm. survive, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. as we get ready to land this plane, I'm wondering, you mentioned that you don't want to be Denzel, and I want to keep that, but is mm-hmm. there anyone that you've looked at and said, that, that person has embraced their inner weird in a way Mm -hmm. that maybe I don't want to be them, but they Mm -hmm. continue to encourage me to embrace mine. Is there anybody out there like that, that you kind of look to, to be reminded? Yeah. I mean, people like, I mean, my favorite musician of all time is Prince and he, Mm -hmm. you can say is weird, right. And, or was weird. And I think just a few months ago, somebody unearthed a video of him when he was like, of maybe 10 year old, you know, just speaking outside of a school about some school teacher strike, right? And like a little baby prince. And like he was always that sharp, always that sort of smart, always had that little side like eye that he gave everybody. And that guy, I've met people who've known him and grown up with him. He was always, quote, the weird one, right? Because he just gravitated towards music. And he was a beast when he was like 12 years old leading bands. Do you know what I mean? Wow. And he always knew what he was. And I, as, as a huge fan, don't agree with all of the stuff that he did or whatever. But like Prince was Prince. Do you know what I mean? And I think that he went sometimes over the edge on being so weird that like maybe he pushed other people away in a way, you know what I mean? I think there's a balance, but like a four foot 11 kid from Minnesota, Minneapolis, you know what I mean? Becoming a huge success that he was, that is because of who he is. Do you know what I mean? He was not trying to be anybody else, even though, you know, he had inspirations, right? Like I'm inspired by Denzel, but like Denzel is his own creature. Do you know what I mean? And I see people, I feel like trying to be the next Denzel and I'm like, nobody can be the next Denzel. There's only one. So be the next you is what I'm trying to be, you know? What a great parting thought here. I know we yeah. Yeah. we could keep going. We yeah, man. Party, <laughs> we go for round three. You'd, you'd be the it, first I'll do it all day with you well. guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't want to stand maybe. in the way of your seven miles, Otto. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. It's all good. 
I'll let you know how that goes. You guys are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is fun. You know, one thing I really appreciate about our conversations is just the chance to learn together. I feel mm-hmm. like in a way, this whole forum is just it's mm-hmm. learning in public, you know? That's yeah. It. And so I'm tremendously appreciative, Marcus, for your great questions, Otto, for mm-hmm. your thoughtful answers. And mm-hmm. it's, it's fun. Thanks for making yeah. it happen. Thank you guys. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. You guys are dope. Thank you. Wow.